Warning. This material contains the following topics. Non-con against a minor, abuse, potential child death, child neglect, parental abuse, domestic violence, misogyny, power abuse, and marital abuse. Listener's discretion is advised. Where fatherhood died. You better not never tell nobody but God. It'll kill your mammy. Dear God, I am 14 years old. I am. I have always been a good girl. Maybe you can give me a sign letting me know what is happening to me. Last spring, after Lucius come, I heard fussin'. He was pulling on her arm. She say it too soon, Fonzo. I ain't well. Finally, he leave her alone. A week go by. He pulling on her arm again. She say, nah, I ain't gonna. Can't you see I'm half dead and all these children? She went to visit her sister doctor over Macron. Left me to see after the others. He never had a kind word to say to me. Just say you're gonna do what your mommy wouldn't. First, he put his thing up, up against my hip and sort of wiggled it around. Then he grabbed hold of my titties. Then he pushed his thing inside my pussy. When that hurt, I cry. He said to choke me, saying, you better shut up and get used to it. But I don't ever get used to it. She is told to only confess to God or more pain would follow. Sally described herself as a good girl to the Lord, confiding her days like any other child would to God, except for what she did wrong. Recalling a day like any other with vague worries from family until the moment her life as a child would end by her very father. He would rape her that night and forward in her youth, starting a long string of abuse and neglect from the men in Sally's life in the story of The Color Purple by Alice Walker. And while it takes years for her to break out of this cycle of strife, it would set the standard of her interactions with men throughout her book. Alice Walker particularly excels at writing for perspectives on gender, especially those that lean on the darker side, such as her usage of masculinity, specifically toxic masculinity and feminism in that book. Walker embraces these types of abusive characters not just as obstacles to Sally, Sophia, Shug, Nettie, or the other women in the novel, but also as a wake-up call to the cultural norms she grew up in as an African-American woman from rural mid-20th century. For good reason, too. As advanced as our society has come, books like The Color Purple are a good reminder that this type of culture is still alive today, in homes where fatherhood died. From this point on, I will be discussing toxic masculinity and feminism in, tar in segments I like to call parts, being made up of seven parts with an additional segment for closing thoughts. Part 1. Masculinity and Alice Walker's Life Hello, my lovely audience. Welcome to my podcast that I like to call Where Fatherhood Died. I will be your humble narrator for this moment. Whether you are a bystander looking for entertainment or those of similar academic fields. I am here today to talk about an important subject matter present within the American literacy classic, The Color Purple, by Alice Walker. I will be discussing her usage of masculinity, more specifically toxic masculinity, as well as feminism in the face of it. I will delve deeper in these topics after this section. From now on, I will focus on the perspective of the author herself, Alice Walker.
one of the premier authors of modern America. She was born in 1944 and raised in rural Georgia, a period where households can abuse and neglect their children without fear of repercussion. Walker was not a stranger to this. Her first example of this masculine neglect would be her father and older brother. The latter would shoot one of her eyes with a BB gun, and due to her father's lack of effort, she became permanently blind in that eye. This would be her first instance of neglect living in a patriarchal society, an event that deeply affected her life. She got depressed, a permanent injury, as well as learned the fact that the men in your life that you are supposed to rely on can just not care when you are hurt. That's just one of the things she currently still lives with, and on closer inspection is a source of reflection for many of the narratives she writes about such as in The Color Purple. This pain, change, and abuse is echoed especially in this story, where toxic masculinity surrounds the women of the book, who learn to break away from that abuse in their own methods. Part 2. What is toxic masculinity? To those out of the loop on that subject matter, I pray for good reasons rather than self-ignorance. To the audience who are drawing blanks on it, Toxic masculinity is a concept based on the warped ideas of what it means to be a man through the use of aggression, violent domination, homophobia, and especially for the story, misogyny. Unfortunately for the women of the book, most of the men present, as of pages 1-50 through 50 of The Color Purple, live by this hazardous culture, enforcing it regularly and teaching it to their sons to continue as well. These women are abused as a result. The men and Sally's life openly telling her it's what she is born to deal with will be echoed through the main three men in the first part of the story. Pa, Mr., and Harpo. This toxic belief of domination over the other gender as a standard of living is something everyone in this book lives and reacts to, whether they are the abuser or the abused. However, the men in the story use similar but different methods in their approach, and their survivors react and heal differently as a response. Part 3. Toxic Masculinity Present Within the Color Purple Following that prior statement, toxic masculinity in the book relies on the violence and dehumanization of women by the male characters. The men turn their counterparts into idols of sex, servitude, and stability for everyday life. Despite their different levels of abuse, they still need the women in their life. However, they are more treated like appliances than actual people. They are hurt in a variety of ways throughout the story, but are still expected to fill in their positions as women by performing feminine acts through the pain. From the start, they use violence, rape, emotional neglect, parental neglect, misogyny, and so on that we know of. Saley doesn't record everything for the reader since she's not fully literate. She wasn't allowed to continue school and was forced to watch children since she was 14. By her written records, the men likely do far worse things outside her entries. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, since these men were raised to hurt their families if they don't get what they want. And because they can. Alice Walker presents this darker side of masculinity, the opposite of the nurturing provider. It's a scary culture. This cycle of domestic abuse is inherited to the next generations because they are afraid to change it. Or... They want to keep that power. 
But enough about the men. Let's discuss how the women live under this torment and how they adapt to break it. Part 4. How the women are affected by toxic masculinity. Nettie. Smart and protective, she is the younger sister of Sally. From early on, she highly values education and uses her intelligence to help escape her household. And while she tries to aid her sister like a guardian, that's where the topic of masculinity comes into play. She is robbed of a safe childhood and is first limited in her options of life from her environment. Later on, she loses her relationship with Sally as well, as Mr. had been hiding the letters she sent to her and make advancements on her sexually, which causes Nettie to run away. She yearns for someone to understand the trauma she is going through, something that is being sabotaged by one of the men responsible for her pain. Kate and Carrie. From the book, they are brief characters that help to showcase Mr.'s misogynistic history. They give off big aunt vibes, scouting and judging the relationship of their sibling. As they go to judge Mr.'s new mammy, they show that they're very charming and witty women. They help Sally as well on her journey of breaking the cycle by treating her with kindness and then some. However, that moment is later ruined by a heated argument by their brother, Mr. About Sally's needs, causing them to leave for the rest of the story, giving her encouraging words to escape this relationship for her own sake. It's clear by their interactions that they had to deal with Mr.'s anger for a very long time. And as a result, they've been robbed of relationships from their nieces, nephews, and Sally as well. Sophia. The future wife of Harpo. She's seemingly grown up in a loving household more so than Sally. Unburdened by men breaking her into submission, Sophia is a strong and smart woman who quickly recognizes the folly of her marriage on a couple of occasions before their initial fights. From the awkwardness of young Harpo to the coldness of Mr.'s first meeting with her, she knows what is wrong, but sticks by in the name of love. However, she should have listened to her parents, as Harpo was raised to hit her if she, he didn't get what he wants. But unlike Sally, she knows how to fight back. Despite holding her own for her new family against Harpo, Sophia is robbed of a safe marriage by toxic masculinity. Mr. Instilling His Misogynistic Behaviors on His Son. Sally. From the beginning of the book, she is a kind and gentle person who was robbed of her childhood. Abused in every way imaginable, her trauma has stunted her emotionally, intellectually, and personally. From when she was raped by her father to her marriage with Mr., Sally has been expected to be the woman of the house since she was first abused as a child. To be a good housewife, an obedient spouse, a quiet object for sex. Never mind her needs, emotions, or consent. However, as the book goes on, it's through her spirit reclaiming itself and the other women in her life, she fights back. She finds genuine love and respect and later finds solace in the passive crush of a woman who knows the freedom she craves, but the pain she lives with as well. Shug Avery, a major character in Sadie's life, past pages 1-5. through five. She helps teach her what she was robbed of, 
a traveling singer and mostly independent woman. She she's unfortunately chained down as the mistress the mistress of Mister, being both his lover and baby mama. But she's much more than that. Her freeform nature makes her a target of rumor, maintaining this reputation of a scantly whore as typical of her era. She, however, is a passionate woman, loving, caring, and wise in the face of abuse. She will foster a beautiful relationship with Sally, and they will help each other escape this cycle of domestic abuse into something worse, love. Speaking of the people who make it difficult for them to live. Part 5. The Men in Alice Walker's The Color Purple Pa slash Alfonso Alfonso was the start of Sally's life in this cycle of misogynistic abuse. I read most of the first page as an example of his cruelty, as he sexually abused her as a child repeatedly. Here is a small list of the biggest abusive actions he does after assaulting her. Preventing her education, keeping her partially illiterate, making her raise her siblings, blaming her on his wife's death, making her think her babies are murdered by him, training her off into an abusive marriage at the age of 14. He abuses her in every way possible and forces her to grow up quickly, becoming her major source of trauma. He's just the worst. To top it off, he's the reason she gets married to Mr., giving his daughter away like a used car. The suffering he has caused forever haunts Sally and Nettie even as they break the cycle. Mister, besides marrying a 14-year-old, he's almost as bad as Sally's father. A cold and miserable man, his relationship with Sally is solely based on service. His bitterness is felt through everyone he interacts with, and his violence is used on almost every woman he, character he encounters. There's an excerpt taken from page 32 which helps contextualize why he is like this. Harpo asked his daddy why he beat me. Mr. Say, cause she my wife, plus she's stubborn, all women good for. He didn't finish. He just tucked his chin over the paper like he do. Remind me of Pa. I mentioned it earlier. He represents the opposite of the positive masculinity. He's not a provider, protector, or nurturer. He's in this relationship solely for his gain and will hurt anyone who doesn't give him what he wants. And the only time he acts like the, a father, a true masculine figure, is in his attempts like page 32, where he helps to make Harpo a wife-beater as well. Speaking of his son, Harpo. To first talk about Mr.'s eldest son, we need to talk about his abuse to Sophia. Taking from page 50 of their first fight, I opened the door cautiously, thinking about robbers and murderers, horse thieves and haunts, but in Harpo and Sophia, they find like two men's. Every piece of furniture they got turned it over. Every plate looked like it broke. The glass is crooked. The curtain iron's torn. The bed looks stuffing pulled out. They don't notice. They fight. The lad is born on the other side of the spectrum of abuse as Sally. He is brought and raised into this cycle of abuse by his father. But instead of just staying a victim, he grows up as an abuser as well. I believe his first true introduction is him hitting Sally with a rock that causes her head to bleed and his perception of women 
only gets worse due to his father passing down a lot of toxic beliefs about them. Harpo exists as a way to show the audience how generational trauma continues these cycles of abuse by telling us it can corrupt even the most hurt and sweet people into reflections of their abusers. We read about him through Sally's processing his emotions, anxieties, and thoughts on love, concepts his father would never talk about, especially to a woman. But at the end of the day, he picks up his hand against his wife. But Sophia is built different. She is smart, tough, and determined. Instead of falling in line by this abuse, she fights back hard, going to show that it takes courage to break these cycles and strength to back up your beliefs. Part 6. Breaking the Cycle Honestly, for the women in the story, they can break these cycles of domestic abuse a lot easier than the men. I've mentioned how Sally has been getting help by her sisters in arms and eventually help to learn to live happily. As for the men, I believe it's possible for everyone I mentioned except Pa to become better. Mr. Sass Albert has shown some love to Suge Avery, so he isn't as heartless as I mentioned. His son Harpo was already a sweet boy. He shows hesitance in abusing Sophia early by questioning Sally and Mr. So I believe with dedication in love in the face of this trauma, to deny it more victims for generations to come, they can break the cycle of domestic abuse. Something me and my family have experienced in. Part 7. Personal Experience Well, listeners, you've been patient with my dissection this material of the topic, and I have yet to describe myself, your narrator, with any affiliation as to why I did this. Besides academic matters, I do relate to this in some degree, past being born a cis-born man. I am Latino slash Latine slash Latinx, and we have something called machismo, the strong need to be masculine in our communities. It shares many toxic traits with masculinity from African-American households who were unfortunate enough to suffer that pain. Where men build their rough and authoritative personalities for themselves as the heads of the household. Where women are often meant to be seen, never heard. A missed dinner could mean a black eye. Winking at another man could mean an axe or machete is something you run away from as the man supposed to be your husband chases you and your children in the night. My family has suffered from this cool culture. The last examples are true experiences from my mom and Thea's childhood. Mom's line were the ones who would make sure our lineage would not suffer such abuse. But before them, my grandma and Gran Abolita recalled the worst stories that their fathers committed to their wives under the pressures of these masculine roles in our communities. I am lucky to not be raised as such, my household being matriarchal and loving. But it's also just the Latine slash Latinx communities that share this pain as well. I've seen it in other households as well, suffering this generational trauma, an unfortunate trend in old-fashioned southern homes, African-American, white, Asian, Mexican... All these examples I've clocked from walking into friends' households and how their moms interact with their husbands. It's tragic how while we move on to a more progressive society, many still face these traumas every day. Like Sally, they are first shaped by those who hurt them. 
Ending Thoughts The color purple is a must-read for any student of appropriate reading level. It covers a lot of heavy topics that are still prevalent in our society, and not just from a closed-off nomination of people. While a lot of our newer generations are being raised to be better, there will always be hold-offs of men who raise their boys to treat women worse than trash for their sole needs. This culture of toxic masculinity deserves to die, remaining in history books rather than the sudden screams of neighbors next door, colleagues found dead on the news, or girls revealing their abuse by their fathers to teachers on quiet days. Hopefully with us acknowledging contexts like this, we can live in a world where fatherhood doesn't have to die under toxic strain. With that, I am your narrator, and I thank you for the time spent listening. I look forward to talking to everyone again. So please, take care.